Have you ever interviewed for a job only to find you were not selected for the position? This experience can be extremely painful and defeating. This week's guest, Tim Cavey, shares how he overcame the disappointment, changed his mindset, and advanced to the next level. In this episode, we also discuss the key aspects of administration, unexpected challenges of teaching and leading, tips to balance work and family, and the Teachers on Fire podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Tim Cavey, thank you so much for being on the Aspire Podcast. My pleasure. Uh, I am so excited to be here, Josh. Tim, we have been connected for a really long time. Like I feel like when I started the podcast, somehow me and you got connected and our journeys as podcasters have kind of coincided for quite some time. And then I have to give you a lot of credit. You've really connected me to a bunch of other podcasters that have helped me in my leadership journey and my podcast journey. So first off, I want to thank you. And second off, I want you to share with the listeners kind of your background and your educational journey. Well, thank you so much, Josh. And yes, I have fond memories of it must have been over two years ago yeah. when I found this guy named Josh Stamper <laughs> on Twitter. And of course, absolutely blown away by the number of Twitter followers this guy had and uh, just his leadership journey. And so invited you to come on Teachers on Fire and you were gracious enough to accept. And, and that sparked a good professional relationship and friendship ever since. So thank yeah, you for that. Definitely. My journey is a fairly simple one. Uh, this is my 20th year in education, K-12 education. I've been a teacher for 19 of those years. And I would say it's only really been in the last five years or so that I've really started to turn my sights uh, seriously on administration. And so in 2017, I began a master's in educational leadership program and have since graduated from that. So I'm now a, a master's grad. Just this year, I've started as a teacher and AP split, which is providing lots of fun challenges. But I knew to go back to the journey and to go back to the decision, I knew that I needed to take a step of growth. Mm -hmm. And I'm a firm believer in education that, you know, we can get start to get stagnant and complacent if we're in that same comfortable role for too long. And so I knew that for me, this was the next step. And uh, it's it's been an amazing ride so far into this year. I picked quite a year to jump <laughs> into uh, administration, but here we are. And I'm just happy to support the people around me. Yeah, you've got great timing. I'm going to definitely jump into that topic. But um, before we begin there, you know, I've had the pleasure of talking with you through Voxer for years now, just about our leadership journeys and where we stand. And I know that both of us in our past have kind of had this rocky trial of going into an interview, hoping for an administrative position, and then, you know, coming on the other end with denial. And, and there was some struggle there. And I loved our conversations, you know, through those boxes. But would you just mind sharing with the listeners kind of what that process was for you? And then, you know, how did you overcome the fact that you weren't chosen for the administrative position? Great question. I would say it really does come down to mindset. And we hear this so much, Josh, on Twitter and throughout the PLN that it starts to become cliche. But when you really buy into the growth mindset and you look at failure or you look at just stepping out as a part of the journey, that's the way I started to embrace and look at the interview process. So I did apply at, at, I think, three other schools for admin positions and didn't 
receive offers. And in each case, I wasn't devastated. Mm -hmm. I honestly looked at it as, you know what, I'm going through, uh, I'm, I'm revising and refreshing my resume for one thing. Yep. And I'm, I'm writing powerful cover letters. I'm thinking more intentionally about my practice during that time and the, the places that I'm getting my own professional growth from. And then just to sit down at that conference room table with, uh, you know, however many people it might be and answer those questions, I think is a great process just in terms of educational growth. So it was rewarding just to go through that. I can honestly say it was something that I would do again. And I think it helped to get me where I am today. So this episode, I want to congratulate you. I want this to be a celebration because Tim KV, you are one of the hardest working people I know, <laughs> not only in the podcast oh and educational space, but then also as a leader, I know you pour your heart out and you do a lot of things as far as like reflecting, getting to know your why. And I just want to talk about that process because I don't think a lot of leaders and I, I include myself in this is taking the time to actually reflect about <laughs> where we've been and, and where we're going. Why do you go through that practice? I was reading something from our friend George Kuros the other day, and he was talking about asking his staff as a principal to actually write blog posts hmm. of reflection, professional reflection. And I think he said that he gave his staff at the time two hours to sit down and write these blog posts. And honestly, Josh, I don't know if I have the courage at this point to ask my team to do that. <laughs> uh, I might face I might face a, an early rebellion and early mutiny, but. Um, I, I do think that process of self-reflection is incredibly powerful. So I'm all in on that. Mm -hmm. We talk about metacognition and the role of metacognitive tools in the learning process for our kids. Well, what about for us as professionals? Every time I sit down, Josh, whatever the topic might be, whether it's my own practice or something in education, and I go through that process of writing about it, it brings out all kinds of thoughts and perspectives and angles and actually gets them down in an organized fashion. So I like to tell people it's actually therapeutic for me mm. <laughs> to sit down and actually articulate my own thoughts and perspectives. And I actually understand myself better by the end of it. So it is something that like George and like AJ Giuliani and so many others right now, I, I think it's just sound practice for all of us to sit down and write out our thoughts on our own practice. I want to dive into your administrative role now. I know that as a teacher moving into that position, you have all these expectations and you're, there's probably some fear there, but excitement. So now that you're in the position as an administrator, what are some aha moments? Obviously, this year has probably been a lot different just because of COVID and the pandemic. But just as the administrative role, what is something that's been shocking to you? I don't know if there's anything that's been too shocking other than COVID and all of the layers that that has added onto our environment. So I'm yeah. in a face-to-face, -face, a full face-to-face -face return. I know not everyone is. Yep. Every, I think every context faces incredible challenges right now, whether it's face-to-face -face or hybrid or entirely distance learning. One of my aha moments, I would say, Josh, to answer that question is simply that coming in as an AP, I think you can put a lot of pressure on yourself to be all things to all people, but mm -hmm. one blessing or one silver lining in COVID in this particular year is this idea that really crystallized for me in the summer. And that is if I can just help people, if I can just support, if I can just make the people around, like make life easier for the people and the professionals around me, right. 
then I then I'm an asset to the organization. Mm -hmm. And it really is as simple as that. And so, you know, the AP or VP roles can look different in different institutions, but that's the lens that I'm looking at this job through. That if I can just, you know, share that resource, be that encouragement, be that cheerleader, you know, encourage a teammate to take a sick day when they need just need a mental health day, you know, whatever it might be, if I can just sort of help uh, grease the wheel, is that the right? <laughs> I don't know if that's right. <laughs> if, if I can just help this process, this yes. awful challenge that we all face, then I'm doing my job and I'm being successful. Mm-hmm. You know, going back and reflecting on your leadership journey and getting to the position you're in now, what were some key things that you did that you felt helped you get to the position and actually, you know, become an administrator? I think probably it comes down to a few key steps. Starting the master's program, no doubt, I mean, signals that not only are you serious about furthering your own education and learning, but you're willing to do what it takes to gain that expertise and that knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's kind of a no-brainer move. Key in my program too was mindset and mindset by Carol Dweck is my number one recommendation for educators on my program. Yep. So whenever I'm asked for a book recommendation, that is the very number one on my list. I've already mentioned it here in this conversation, but I think that completely changed my whole view of education. It changed my view of learners of all all, all stripes. And I I won't lie. I mean, starting the podcast uh, has been a huge step Mm -hmm. because not only in the sense of gaining some kind of edu fame or or anything like that, but uh, it's more a case of simply connecting with incredible people who further my own learning each and every interview. Yeah. And I'm sure you you find the same that every conversation is stimulating, right? It it stimulates your growth, it challenges, it uh, broadens your perspectives. And so I would say don't, you know, if for anyone out there looking to grow, I mean, do consider getting into the content creation space. Again, not not for any kind of fame or success or dollars because heaven knows we're not, yeah. we're not getting paid for this. <laughs> nope. But but just in terms of your own professional growth, it is like a, a pro D session every week. Yes. It, it can't help but uh, spur you on it and uh, push you toward that goal of uh, advancing your career and just being that much more of a help to the people around you. Yeah, I found so much value in my podcast just as a, my own personal PD. So that is selfish in the sense that um, I get that each week. So um, I totally agree. But let's go back to that you're teaching a class. So you know, for those who have never actually balanced being a teacher and an administrator at the same time, what does that look like for you? It's really challenging. I, my split is 60% teaching, 40% admin, and that may change in the years to come, uh, part of what is happening at my school. But yeah, right now it is very challenging because I'm, I'm trying to do the best job I can in both spheres, but they're very different worlds. And the admin side can really creep in on the teaching side. So mm-hmm. For example, this week I'm dealing with some sixth grader boys who have been at each other for the last couple of weeks. <laughs> and, and so, you know, typical sixth grader boy kind of stuff. And yes. so uh, I am intervening a little bit and I'm, I'm dropping in on these boys each and every day. And I've had a lot of one-to-one meetings and I'm visiting classes and trying to do some things around culture. 
And so those are sort of the, the parts of the job that you can't budget for, you can't plan for, they just happen. Yep. And, and so that uh, definitely cuts into my other responsibilities. So it's very fluid. And I knew it would be a little bit dynamic in that way going into it. So mentally, I was ready for it. But it's definitely challenging. I, I don't think that will ever change. No, that's not going to change. <laughs> as far as the uh, to-do list, have you been creating the to-do list and then uh, finding more at the end of the day than at the beginning? Oh my gosh, yeah. I on it, There was a day a week or two ago, I think it was last week, that I felt like I put in a good you know, 10 to 12 hours, which is easy to do between yep. school and then you pull out the laptop again after dinner. Hopefully that family dinner happens, right? I'm yep. sure you're, it's the same at the Stamper house. And, you know, I, I try to sign off at 9 p.m. And I looked at my inbox. I looked at my to-do list and they were, <laughs> they were longer than when I started. And it was, I, I won't lie, it was like a little bit discouraging. And you start to feel that, I don't want to call it a panic, but there's that real disillusionment that can creep in. So fortunately, I had a good sleep and I was back at it the next day and I started to turn that ship around. But yeah, some days you're going to get that and it, it's it's just a part of the job. With all the other things that you do, because you're a podcaster, you're a blogger, you're a vlogger, you've got all these other avenues that you do on top of your position. How do you balance that out with your family and what are some things that you put in place to make sure that you know, you have time to be a father, you have time to be a husband beyond an educator and a podcaster. Josh, I don't want to pump your tires here, but you are one of the main people I look to in that space because I look at everything you are doing. You have a bigger family than I do and you're active on uh, on the Facebook group and in Voxer and you've got this amazing podcast. So my hat goes off to you. I, I want to hear the same answer from you. But I... <laughs> The way I would answer that is uh, through the calendar. And what I mean by that is it really does come down to structuring time that you don't compromise on. So I mentioned signing off at 9 p.m. And one of the things that my family started doing at some point during COVID and during the lockdown was we realized, well, we're all on screens for a lot of the day, like an embarrassingly large amount of screen time. My boys are both in high school. My wife, you know, she was in Zoom all day for a while. Yep. And uh, so we were all in separate corners of the house because when it comes to video conferencing, that's the way it goes. And so we realized like, wow, we're, we're on screens through a lot of the day. We've got to fight for device-free dinners. We've got to fight for what we call family meeting at 9 p.m. where we all shut down and we sit around in the living room and we we do a grateful circle and we, we do some other things together, some journaling and stuff like that. And I, I think it really comes down to the calendar, to these routines that you just don't compromise on. And that's, that's hard to do. Sometimes we have to bend for extraordinary situations, but you know, it requires being intentional and just fighting for those times. So yeah. I don't have it all figured out, Josh, on the balance issue, but try to fight for those, you know, Friday family fun nights and Saturday date nights and just the little things that sort of keep those relationships fresh and vital. Yeah. And I can't remember if it was on the boxer group or on Instagram live or where I remember you saying it, but I remember you saying that on your phone, you even put some settings in your phone to make sure that, you know, you're intentional about when you're on social media and that screen time too. So I've stolen a few things from you too, my friend. You know what? It's weird and it shocks most people, but I keep my phone on do not disturb 24 seven. And 
uh, one thing about iPhones, I can't speak for the Android universe, but if you've got a phone number on your favorites list, it will break through that. So I get calls from my wife, I get calls from my admin team or, you know, a, a few very select short list of mm -hmm. important people. But other than that, I do not receive calls. My phone never vibrates. It never dings. It never interrupts me. And I love it. Yeah, it's a powerful tool and one that I don't think many people use, but definitely something I've tapped into a, a few times myself. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. So I want to go into your, one of your passion projects, which is the Teachers on Fire podcast. And it is on fire, my friend. I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen on Twitter someone posting on it or on Instagram. Um, you are just lighting it up. And I love your podcast. I've been, had the honor of being on there myself. But uh, I want to know why you created it and what the podcast is all about. Josh, I started the podcast to profile educators who are agents of growth and transformation in K-12 education today. And so what I'm trying to do is spark that uh, curiosity, spark that passion, ignite uh, ideas and, and change in professional practice. And it's been really wonderful to really dig into the person. I think you do that too on, on your show and uh, sort of explore all sides of who they are and what makes them tick. And so, yeah, the podcast is a good two and a half years in now. It's incredible uh, to say that, but it's 171 episodes in at the time of this recording. It's a little bit of a sore point for me, Josh, because honestly, my ideal publishing schedule has gone by the wayside since we started school here in the fall. It's been uh, it's been rough in that respect, but I'm still creating content. I'm still getting stuff out there. And uh, I recently wrote a, a post about all the, the great reasons why I podcast. And that includes just sharing best practices, amplifying the voices of other educators, continuing my own professional growth. I talked about that earlier, connecting me with other leading practitioners, people like yourself, uh, allowing me to find and build my own voice, which is something that really can be developed with time. And uh, just the impact that podcasts, yours and mine and others are making in the educational space is really, really exciting. It's real. I got a chance to research it for my master's thesis study mm -hmm. and putting that survey out there and receiving dozens of responses, uh, very personal in some cases about the ways that the podcast has spoken to people, how it's changed their practice, how it's brightened their lives in, in different ways has been really, really affirming. So I think it's valuable work what we do. And I would encourage anyone listening to consider uh, picking up the microphone. It's not as hard as you might think. You talked about the importance of content creation. You know, why is it important for them to maybe produce something else like a blog or a vlog or a podcast? I go back to that conversation we had about the power of self-reflection. Mm -hmm. I just think when you are communicating, it forces you to think really carefully about your positions, your perspectives, and it's just clarifying. And then there are so many other reasons. I, I mentioned some of them in terms of why I podcast, but I agree there are, there are other great mediums. Blogging and vlogging are, are awesome ways to connect and communicate as well. I mean, I can make this guarantee, and I know you would make the same, that it will enrich your professional life full stop, yes. like absolute guarantee when you engage in this, in these activities on a regular basis. So it's something that 
you're right. There's a lot of fear around hitting that publish button. A lot of people second guess themselves or they feel like they've got nothing new to bring to the conversation. But it, it really is a case of everyone's got a different story. Every, everyone brings different experiences, perspectives. People will value simply your experience in the field. Mm-hmm. I mean, so many teachers understate, I think, the value of simply blogging about, hey, what happened in your classroom today? What happened, or as an administrator, what happened in your building last week? What are you wrestling with? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't all have to be a parade of victory stories. It can be defeats too. And, yeah. and people gain inspiration from just hearing your journey and looking over your shoulder a little bit. So I can't overstate how valuable content creation is. So Tim, when did you feel like your voice had value? That's a great question. When, at what point did I really convince myself? Yeah, <laughs> It's been a while since I've really thought about that. I, I think there's a major pivot a major crossing the Rubicon, if you will, when you do hit the publish button and you start on the journey, when you publish episode one and you get that first five or 10 listens, right? (laughs) You know, and you're on the journey. But what keeps me there, I think, I I guess just starting to see the momentum, you know, we like to tell ourselves as content creators that we would do this work even if no one listened. I'm not so sure that we would in every case. And what I mean is I want to be fair to my wife, to my kids, to my colleagues. Every time we sit down to do one of these interviews, when we edit a a podcast, it's got to have value. It's got to have resonance and impact. If it has none of that, then what are we doing? You know, Uh, and I do believe in the power of self-reflection and journaling. I talked about that, but this podcasting and content creation game is a is a transaction there. There's an investment that we make and, and the return has to be felt by other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise we're wasting our time. So all of that to say that as people started to give me that feedback, Josh, on Twitter and on Facebook and other platforms, LinkedIn and so on, as teachers start to say, hey, you know, this episode made a real difference or I learned something from episode whatever. I mean, those those affirmations mean the world because it tells us we're on the right track. And I can tell you Aspire uh, has made a huge difference for me because it's, it's been something that I have looked to and I, I will continue to look to here in my administrative journey. So I'm grateful for the community you're building. And I hope that educators, I, I do know, I can humbly say, I know that my podcast has, has made all, a, a big difference for yeah. listeners as well. Definitely. And I would say the same about your show and how it's made a difference in my education journey and leadership journey and your friendship and then the networks that we're a part of too. So I want to talk about that because I think both of us have created a network and, and through that network, have a lot of different conversations that we wouldn't had otherwise so like for your pln is it just a catchphrase or is it actually has value to you is it something that you go to often and and if it is something of value then why should other people build their own it has so much value josh that i shudder at the thought of not being in a pln mm-hmm. <laughs> you know I, I just wish everyone could see it on it we've talked off air in the past about how few educators, relatively speaking, are really plugged into Twitter. And I, I think part of the reason for that is a lot of people just don't understand Twitter or they they sort yes. of quote, tried Twitter and they got no response or no interaction. And so they moved on. No, to answer your question, the power of a PLN, I, so I, let's put it this way. When you shape your influences and your voices intentionally, thoughtfully, 
when you when you curate your Twitter feed so that it's only inspiring educators and you unfollow voices that are toxic or that are I mean you and I love sports but filling our feed with uh, with with sports is not going to help our professional journeys no. so <laughs> not yeah, at all you know so we we have to be thoughtful in these things in terms of how we arrange the voices and influences around us but no, when I go to these venues, whether it's your Voxer group or Twitter or, you know, certain Facebook groups, when I, I know what I'm going to get and what I'm going to get is inspiration and encouragement and challenge. And I actually have been thinking about writing about something that your friend, uh, Todd Nesloni, great guy, amazing yeah. guy, a recent, he re recently wrote about the trap of comparison. Mm -hmm. And I know, I know what Todd's getting at there. But the pushback is this, that I think it comes down to mindset. When I look at someone like Joshua Stamper, whose graphics are incredible, they're off the, you know, <laughs> they're off the chain and, and I, can't, I can't sort of put out the, the graphics and some of the content and the leadership that you provide necessarily. I'm totally fine with that. In fact, it inspires me and it teaches me. I can learn from what you're doing. I can learn from someone like your co-host Jeff Gargas does. And, mm -hmm. you know, these, these people are not uh, sources of discouragement or disappointment or defeat. These are sources of inspiration. And so I do think it comes down to mindset, uh, but getting back to your question again, I do think we have to be really intentional about how we shape that PLN. It can be game-changing for anyone who really takes the time to invest. So let's talk about your blog and vlog real quick, because I know we've talked about the podcast and these are a couple of your other projects. And, you know, you do a much better job of, of getting content out as far as in the written form. Why did you start blogging? And then where can our listeners find your blog and your blog? Teachersonfire.net is my website, and that's where I'm throwing a lot of my posts. I'm also doing some blogging at medium.com, which is a, a site that is familiar to some, not familiar to others, but Medium basically curates blog posts and it, it has humans on the other end that sort of decide which posts are, are best to uh, frontline and so on. Why do I blog? I love writing. That's the short answer, I guess. And I've already talked about the benefits that it gives me and it's sort of a therapeutic process in terms of clarifying and crystallizing my vision and my perspectives. So that's, I guess, the short answer. I, I simply love it. Yeah. But it also makes for great content that I can repurpose on my podcast. And uh, you mentioned the vlogging. Th that is a space. I don't know how you feel about vlogging or YouTube. I, it's something that I, I think has tremendous potential. I think YouTube is just, you know, it's, it's where younger teachers really connect mm -hmm. and more and more learn from, especially during COVID. And so I, I think there's tremendous potential to share ideas and, and teach and offer resources on YouTube as well. I just don't have all the time. <laughs> so <No. laughs> I, have to make, uh, I have to make choices. And so I haven't been able to do the vlogging that I'd, I'd like to. I know you've met an idol of mine, uh, CJ Reynolds in yes. Philadelphia. Yes. He, he's the, he's a, a vlogger that I look up to and I he's look amazing. at his content. And I just think, wow, what a communicator. And it's just so powerful to be in his classroom and, and sort of hear what he's wrestling with. So uh, that is a space that I've done a little bit of. I've, I feel like I've dabbled in. And if my alternate reality, if I became a full-time content creator, Josh, then I, I, I'd be able to put out some, some blog posts. But right now <laughs> I'm having a lot of fun with uh, blogging and podcasting and that keeps me busy enough. Oh, definitely. Vlogging is one of those things like, yeah, eventually I'll get to that. That's something I want to do, but <laughs> yeah, right now is not the time. 
Empty, empty nest years. Empty oh. nest years. Tim, what I like to do as far as the end of the podcast is I like to have my listeners have some action steps. So I love that they're here to listen to this conversation and then hopefully they're gaining some amazing insight. But I want them to go out and I want them to do something about it. So if you will, will you please just share maybe some a few things that they can do maybe tomorrow, next week to enhance their leadership journey? Number one, we've talked about it already. I would say if you haven't read Mindset by Carol Dweck, read it, not only for your own personal and professional growth, but also just for the way that you look at learners. Mindset has taught me so much about labels and I'll give you a quick example. So something that we've heard around the staff room around schools is, is this idea of, oh, I'm not a tech person or I'm not a math person. I'm not, I'm not a science person. And we've heard teachers talk like that, yep. but we don't want our students to talk like that, right? We don't want our students to check out of learning. And so when you do that fundamental shift and you start to see instead of each person or more importantly, when you when you stop seeing yourself in certain boxes and instead understand yourself as on a learning journey in each of these areas, it is such a transformative shift in the way you think about learning, the way you think about challenge. And so I can't say enough about mindset. Go out and read that. And then we've already talked about it. I would challenge your listeners, Josh, to get out there. And if if they haven't done any content creation, Grab a site on WordPress mm -hmm. and put to put down some thoughts on any topic, uh, anything related to education, and hit that publish button and uh, share it. And you know, tag me. Go ahead and tag Teachers on Fire. Tag Josh. And yep. Let us know that you heard about it in this episode. But it will be a transformative journey. So I'm going to stick with that theme. Get out there and create some content. Share your ideas beyond your brick and mortar building. As George Kuros says in one of his books, make great learning go viral. Tim, we talked about building our PLN, and if they are not connected with you, they need to do that right away. So how can they connect with you on social media? Right away, Israel. Right <laughs> I love it. Right away. At Teachers <laughs> on Fire everywhere. Josh, it's, uh, it's pretty simple. So I mentioned teachersonfire.net. Find at Teachers on Fire on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, no, LinkedIn is my name. Pardon me. And uh, back to Teachers on Fire on YouTube. So that's where I can be found. And I would love to connect with anyone in your audience who's interested in, in furthering their own professional growth and particularly, mo most recently, their administrative journey. Buddy, I value your friendship, your leadership, all of your content. You just do such a phenomenal job in every aspect. And I'm so fortunate to have you on the Aspire podcast. Thank you for being with me tonight. Thank you so much again, Josh. It's an absolute pleasure. It's a realization of a dream to be connecting with you and to be featured on this pod after listening for over two years now. It's incredible. So thank you so much.